Welcome to Eerie Essex. I'm Bethan Briggs-Miller. And I'm Ailsa Clark. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the stranger side of the county. We will be exploring the folklore, urban legends and supernatural encounters that form part of its rich history. Welcome to episode 9 of Eerie Essex. It'll be all fright on the night, where this month we're looking at haunted theatres and cinemas. Sadly, a lot of these magnificent buildings have been much altered over the years, but a few have collected a history of strange activity. And this week, it's Elsa's turn to go first. This month, it's Elsa's turn to go first. <laughs> yep, um, we have no idea what day, week or time it is. It's, it's all gone to pot. It's nah. some time in winter. <laughs> The wind is very, very blowy. Yes, yeah, so we 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 passed Eunice. We're now on Franklin. Is that right? <laughs> I, I guess so. Who knows anymore? Who knows? Just, we're going to work our way through the alphabet before long. Yeah, I mean, they're never going to have an Ailsa, though, are they? Or a Bethan. They might have a Bethan. It's at least, you know, one people have heard of more often than... Anyway, <laughs> back, to... <laughs> back to the story. Back to the story. Actors can be a superstitious lot just like sailors, which is definitely the result of both professions being reliant on everything going perfectly all at once for several hours in a row. And for actors, they have an audience to please as well. This may be why the stage certainly seems to be a home for ghosts. From Banquo at the feast to the woman in black stalking the aisles at the Fortune Theatre, the theatre has a rich history of hauntings. Maybe that is why apparitions feel so welcome to stay after the lights go out. We're so lucky in Essex to have many wonderful theatres producing plays and musicals and performances all year round. We're going to talk about a few of them today, but if you're in the area, check out what's at your local theatre right now. Go see a play. They need us to support them. One theatre that has already been saved by staunch local support is the Palace Theatre in Westcliff-on-Sea. The palace was opened in October 1912 and was known at the time as the Palace of Varieties, but it soon changed its name to the new palace and added an annex at the back of the stage to facilitate projection for the cinema. The palace theatre faced several periods of financial trouble and closure. It was in one of those periods that the then manager, a man named George, completed suicide in the theatre itself, and his ghost is one of the many apparitions reported at the theatre by its staff and audience members. That's so weird. I keep coming across the name George in Theatre Hauntings. I think it's a common, I mean, it's a common enough name, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Maybe Georges are just attracted to the limelight. Maybe. Anyway, I found a whole host of reports on the on the actual theatre's Facebook page. Many of the people who wrote there were past and present members of staff, and they all reported a very specific smell of tobacco. Um, and this tobacco is old Holborn. I can never say it properly. Old hole born, not burn. Hmm. Um, and I have, because I used to be a smoker, I have used this tobacco before and it does have a very distinctive scent, which seems very strange to be picking up in this place repeatedly. But this, the smell of tobacco 
often happens close to the spot where George supposedly died, which is the fly floor. Um, for those who don't know what the fly floor is, it is the catwalk high above the stage where the rigging and scenery changes change, changes are, are done. One person reported that they had a terrifying experience in the dressing rooms when one of the doors started to rattle like somebody was trying to come in. But when they did go out to check, no one was there. Lights also turn themselves on when they've been turned off already by members of staff. Several audience members also report the feeling of somebody sitting beside them in an empty chair and a hand being placed on their shoulder. Most people seem to think the spirit of George is harmless, though he does apparently like to throw things around. Oh, George. Yeah, he's, you know, theatre diva, love. (laughs) I did give myself quite a headache trying to find the reports of George's death. I couldn't find a report anywhere. I also couldn't find his name in any of the histories of the Palace Theatre that I looked up. Mm. And the Palace Theatre's club, which is the club that supports the theatre and keeps it running, I couldn't find him mentioned anywhere. So I'm not sure how much truth there is to the actual story of George completing suicide in the uh, theatre. However, George is not the only ghost to haunt the grade two listed building. There is another apparition of a woman who seems to appear quite frequently in the ladies' bathrooms or just outside this area. People have reported that she is dressed all in white with a long skirt and blouse. She sometimes appears behind women in the bathroom mirror, and she's said to have a grand and stately appearance. Could this woman in white be Gertrude, I'm about to butcher this name, Molay? I'm not sure about that. Molay? Molay, it's M-O-U-I-L-L-O-T. I'll leave yeah. you with that one. <laughs> I didn't do French. Gertrude was one of the most important people in the palace's history. She was an actress herself before she married her husband. And after his death, she purchased the palace in 1920 for around £25,000. Later on, she gifted the theatre to the people of South End and ensured its continued use as a theatre for the public. So she, could she be coming back to a place that she obviously loved? Mm-hmm. There is, however, another woman who could be the the woman in white apparition. I found mention of her on, I believe it it was the Palace Members uh, Mm. website. So this woman is Eileen Constance Bell. It's a great name. Yeah, it's a good name, isn't it? But she apparently passed away in the audience whilst watching her son Kenneth appear on stage in 1947. Maybe she stayed to see the rest of the performance and never left. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, that is a sad Mm. one. I do find it, I'm going to talk about it again later, but I do find it interesting, like, I've really struggled to prove any of the deaths for these theatres. Yeah, I have I found evidence of deaths, like newspaper reports, but they're not to do with the apparitions. It's like the, I'll, I'll talk about it with mine later. Well, I, I can't even find newspaper reports for mine. It's yeah. the apparition, the story of the apparition appears numerous places for several of my stories and then I can't find any record of the death interesting it's a lot of urban legend I think in yeah folklore well like I said it a profession that relies heavily on everything going all right on the night break a leg and you know it's not saying the right things, saying the right things and they're spooky places anyway yes I mean it's you could see how something would grow up around it yeah definitely anyway what story do you have for me Bethan Well, I thought I'd start with a story we were sent, actually, when we did a call out for the Art Centre and Katie Cern got back to us. She currently works at the Art Centre, but previously worked at the Mercury Theatre 
And she sent me a really lovely email with stories of the Mercury, which I couldn't find. I couldn't find anything about the Mercury, really, when I looked. I tried uh, social media, newspapers. I can't really find anything to do with Maybe it's a bit like first sight. I mean... Oh, yeah, we've got stories, but you wouldn't find them anywhere. No. Which is why it's so important to gather them, because they're (laughs) going to get lost. I mean, this is the bits in between history. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So shall I, I'll just read the email out as you sent it because it's so well written and it just says everything. Sometimes when I worked over at the Mercury, you would get a sense of someone was watching you. There's loads of hiding places and many floors, but the feeling would come and go. It was never a bad feeling, but you could tell when someone was around. During a show of Brighton Rock one evening, I was on the fly floor, fly floor gallery above the stage. This is where all the set is brought in and out using ropes. Above the fly floor, there are more floors leading up high into the roof, only accessible via a single ladder on the fly floor. I was about to fly in a piece of set for the show when I heard footsteps above me. I ignored it as the theatre is often, as the theatre often makes strange noises and assumed it was just another strange noise. During the second part of the show, another crew member from from stage had to come up onto the fly floor to do the next cue with me as it needed more hands. As we were about to do the cue, we both heard footsteps above us. After we finished the queue and could concentrate more, we heard more footsteps and the unmistakable clang of one of the metal grates above us that always made a sound when someone stepped on it. Both concerned someone had broken in and was hanging around on the roof. My colleague and I went to investigate. It was very dark being in show conditions, but we both had torches. I stayed on the fly floor to do the next queue and I could hear my colleague walking around. He came back and said no one was up there. No one had come up or down the ladder next to us the entire show. So when the show finished, we both went up and couldn't find anyone, even with all the lights on. I was working a show and halfway through, a colleague of mine came up from the pit underneath the stage where the trap doors were operated, very angry and accusing all the crew of locking him in the pit. The door didn't have a lock on it. It was none of us on stage as we all had cues to do on stage and I had seen no one go down into the pit. Once we explained it wasn't us, he was sure it was a ghost. Oh my God. Mm-mm. That's terrifying. No, can you imagine being trapped in a trap door? <laughs> after that, he had a mirror set up for every show after that to make sure he could see the door from where he had operated the trap door. Nothing happened again after that. I've heard from a duty manager that once they were locking up and they had gotten to the last door and they could hear someone singing warm-up runs on the stage. She started to unlock the building in order to let the person out, but when they got to the stage, it was still in darkness, and when they turned the lights on, no one was there. They locked up again and again heard someone singing on stage. They went back, turned the lights on again and didn't find anyone once more. After that, they locked up again and again heard someone. And at this point, they just locked up and went home and assumed they were just hearing things. (laughs) Or if there had been somebody there. (laughs) Well, fair play. They went back twice. Oh, We were at the pub when the story was being told. And the moment they finished, another duty manager said the exact same thing had happened to them. But they hadn't told anyone in case they thought no one would believe them. Bloody hell. Mm-hmm. A colleague of mine once told me that, she, that he was sweeping up at the end of the night and he was on stage and looked out onto the chairs and saw someone sitting there. He looked down for a second and when he looked up, the person was gone. Those always creep me out. I'm sh- are you talking about the playhouse later? I'm going to mention something about the playhouse. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'll leave that then. That feeling when you just know there's someone sat somewhere, even if it's not real. But anyway, I'll move on. My stepdad is a ghost hunter and I took him for a tour of the Mercury backstage once and during my talk about the set, he wandered off into our loading dock. When I finished talking to my mum, I went to get my stepdad as he wasn't allowed in the loading dock. He was talking to someone. No one was there. 
I've since asked him about this and he said there was a few spirits within the theatre and he was probably just telling one of them not to follow him out the theatre. In case you were wondering, the Mercury doesn't have a ghost light, but I know of other venues my friends have worked at that do have one to keep the ghosts away from the stage and remind them the crew and cast are coming back. Kind regards, Katie Zern. Thank you very much, Katie. That was really chilling. Really (laughs) chilling. (laughs) So we should probably discuss ghost lights a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. So Because I know nothing about them, so I'm all this. I did read up on a little bit of theatre superstition. There are, There's a bunch of different ones, and they range from things like don't wear blue to no peacock feathers. I mean, there's the obvious, don't say the play. That play. That play. I mean, we can say it, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Macbeth, Macbeth. But the ghost light is an interesting one. So um, a lot of older theatres will have a ghost light, which is left, they, they leave the, the stage light on at night, um, probably not the actual stage light, probably, like they say, a separate little light. But it's to allow ghosts to do their own performances when the theatre is closed. That's so sweet. I know. It's lovely, isn't it? Oh, they're nice so folks, these theatre chaps. It's meant to dissuade them from messing with the performances going on at the time by giving Actually, them an opportunity yes. to do their own thing. Interesting you say that because a couple of places I looked at, the when they've had a paranormal investigation, one of the things they always say is, weirdly, things don't happen during performances or opening hours. It's always during close down. I wonder if it's if it's that sort of... They're just impatient to keep get going, aren't they? Yeah, and if they love the place, <laughs> they're not going to want to interfere, are they? Well, this uh, I was going to ask you a question, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my question is, if you were a theatre ghost, what would you do? Like, what would be your your calling card for appearing? I have had to think about this since you said, and I was I thought, where, which theatre would I like to haunt if there was any? And it would probably be one in London, you know, where all the stars go for premieres, because that would be quite a fun a fun place to haunt anyway and see famous people. And I think I would probably interfere interfere, interfere <laughs> with people like on the back of their head when they're sat down and just watch them turn around and like really get angry at the person behind them. Oh, that is evil. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a long afterlife. You've got to get your kicks. I think if I was a theatre ghost, I mean, obviously, I love The Woman in Black and I really liked that theatre. It's the Drury, um, the is it, what do I call it? The Drury Lane, is it? Yeah, the one that's like really steep. And if you're in the top stores, you feel like you're going to fall over. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't think I've, I've only ever been in the stalls for that one. So I haven't been in the, um, oh, there's a theatre, the Theatre Royal in Bath um, used to be right outside my flat. And we went there once and that one is really steep. You feel like you're going to go over the edge and mm. I have vertigo. So that was not a good like time for me. I spent the entire performance holding on to the chair, like white knuckling it through the entire performance. What was I saying? Yes, I'd haunt I'd haunt the theatre where the woman in black uh, is being played and I'd like to appear occasionally as the woman in black. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, just any performance really. I'd like to just appear in the <laughs> in the sort of ensemble somewhere. Mm. I really want to see that 222 play. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? The ghost story by Danny Robbins from um, Uncanny. Let's go before it goes again. Yes. And then we'll haunt it afterwards. Not after, yeah. straight afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll earmark it for a past life. Uh, no, afterlife. <laughs> oh, dear. Shall yeah. I go? You go. So my next theatre is the Civic Theatre in Chelmsford. This theatre is not nearly as old as the Palace Theatre, but in true theatre tradition, it does have its own ghost. 
The story goes that a technician met an untimely end in nearby Duke Street. After this incident, incident, the spirit of the man returned to his place of work. He'll regularly show guests to their seats and seemingly leaves the patrons with such a good impression that they'll comment on him to other members of staff, who then confirm that nobody of this description works at the theatre. But he's not the only spirit at the Civic. Other reports say that disembodied footsteps can be heard crossing the stage. People are overcome with a sense of unease when they're on the balcony or the steps, uh, the stairs leading to the wardrobe area and the front of house. Another spirit of the Civic is a white butterfly that will always appear during the show being staged over the Christmas period. Isn't there so, like a really, isn't that another superstition, isn't it? Butterflies in the theatre. Well, it's not. I actually, when I was researching for this episode, I listened to Yvette Fielding's podcast because she weirdly did a, we've got to mention this later, the the synchronicity storm we had oh, during God, this. Yeah. yeah, it was strange. So I, I was listening to this podcast and she also mentioned that I think it was a blue butterfly appears. I've forgotten the theatre's name, but it wasn't Essex. Appears at another show and will land on the leading actor's shoulder to signify that they are doing a good job. And it is, so cool. it is thought to be another spirit. Oh. So some people think that the white butterfly that appears at the Civic and the, the appearance of the technician is part of the same phenomenon. He, they think he turns into the butterfly at Christmas time. But this is another story where I cannot prove that the death actually took place. I looked through murder reports. Problem is, I can't even figure out what year this technician apparently was killed in. Mm. So it's, I mean, the problem again is that when I type in civic theatre, technician, death, you get the same story over and over and over again. It's repeated on so many different websites that it kind of crowds out all useful information. So I started trying to look at it through, through like deaths reported on Duke Street, but still I didn't get. I found something weird. I was looking very similar. My, my next two theatres are both in South End. So I looked at South End Theatre, the name of the theatre and death and suicide and murder. And I got the best hits if I just put tragedy, because a lot of the, the um, headlines and they use the word tragedy in place of death. I'm just trying this now. No, nothing. Hang on, I've got the I've got the newspaper. What's the name of the theatre you're saying again? Uh, Civic Theatre Chelmsford. Civic. How do you spell Chelmsford? <laughs> Beth N. Chem, ch- is it Chelmsford? It's C H E L M S F O R D. Your face has gone very, very concentrated. That's my concentrated face. <laughs> Um, a, a young man shot himself there. Really? Yeah. I love well, tragedy. Oh, wow. What, are you, what site are you looking at? British newspaper archives. But this technician apparently died in Duke Street. Uh, well, I'll have a proper look at that later. Yeah. Uh, carry on with the story because it's a fab story. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, with these theatres, it seems to be more about the tradition of the ghost rather than there being an actual truth behind it. Yeah. Well, I found that. With my next one, actually. Shall I go for it? Go for it. I finally found, I mean, I've got a book called Haunted South End by Dee Gordon, and I knew there was a load of theatre ghosts and there's a whole chapter on it, but could I find the book? No. I found it a couple of days ago. So this has been some very feverish researching because it's such a good book. Um, so the first one from the book I looked at was the Empire Theatre at South End. It's been known as many different things throughout the year. It, When it was a theatre, it was first known as the Alexandra, then it turned to the Empire, then it became a cinema, and it was then called the Rivoli, then the ABC, then the Canon. So I looked up all each of these. 
um, in the newspapers just to just to narrow it down. But in the book, it talks about a piece in the Yellow Advertiser in 1987 from South End, which talked about a new manager taking over of the Canon, as it, as it was now known, um, Dean Wren. At first, he was sceptical about the supposed activity with tales of George, a man who was supposed to have thrown himself off the roof when it was a music hall and where he returned to haunt. The main room he seems to stay in is completely sealed room between the ceiling of the cinema and the roof. There's no way in, there's no way out, but people hear footsteps up there. They see him walking in and out the walls and such. I'd like to know what's in there. Why is there a sealed room? It's, um, you know, it's probably just some storeroom or something. Could be, but I know several people who say, oh yeah, we've got a sealed room in our house. And I'm like, do you want to look? <laughs> I still get it. But uh, I mean, there's the activity that's um, seen at the Empire is your usual sort of theatre happening. So lights being turned off and on, heavy chandeliers moving on their own, footsteps. And there's one incident where um, Dean Wren was um, sorting out the wage envelopes and he put them all in the safe locked it and then he went away and came back to do something and when he opened the lock safe they'd all been moved around and jumbled so a lock safe mystery early morning cleaners would often say they spotted george standing at the back of the stalls whistling one manager once had called the police as they could hear a lot of unexplained noise coming from the empty building however when they arrived nothing was found and they blamed george poor george it might not even been him that time there are lots of rumors around the empire of who could be the ghost what's happened there and in january 1895 when it was a musical it was gutted by a fire after a pantomime uh, the rumors were that a homeless man had been trapped in the burning building and died now i can't find anything Aww. about that in any of the newspaper reports and i've actually got a couple of the newspaper reports here i'll, I'll read one out they all pretty much say the same thing so south end theater destroyed by fire about two o'clock on sunday morning flames were seen issuing from the roof of the empire theater in south end the fire spread with alarming rapidity, that's hard to say, illuminating the town and country for miles around. Notwithstanding the efforts of the fire brigade, in two hours the building was completely gutted. The caretaker sleeping on the premises was, this is what it says, aroused with difficulty. And <laughs> Captain Ar- <laughs> Perhaps roused, yeah. not aroused, <laughs> um, of the fire... Captain Aaron of the fire brigade had a narrow escape from the fall of a burning beam, but they did manage to get the caretaker out. So I'm wondering perhaps if, you know what it's like, people said, oh, there's someone trapped in there. And then it just got spirals out of control. Yeah. So the chief efforts of the brigade were directed to saving the adjoining buildings. So I think they gave up on the, the theatre in the end. And the occupants of the surrounding buildings were removed to the police station where they received every attention from the superintendent and his wife. The building belonged to Mr. Fred Marlowe, late of the Eastern Empire Theatre London, who was not fully insured uh, and had recently spent a large sum of money in thoroughly reconstructing and redecorating the building. The pantomime was in full swing and the scenery, dresses and property were totally destroyed and nothing could be saved. The fire was supposed to have originated in the scene loft, which led from the gallery where some of the boys stealthily went for a quiet smoke so they think that's where it started oh dear which and i think considering how much money he lost i think fed into the next rumor so in 1896 and oh the owner was supposedly threw themselves off the roof a lot of people throw themselves off this roof after bankruptcy however this has since been disproved a lot of reports say that he just went and he sad still the story he became homeless because he had no money And then around the same time, another person was supposed to have thrown themselves off the building and impaled themselves on the iron bars below. Oh, God. 
but I cannot find anything about that. You'd think that sort of death would, the newspapers would have been all over it. Mm. Again, it's just like you said, there's so many deaths attributed to the place. I can't, but I can't actually find any of them. I mean, you you might think that the the manager who threw himself off and the one who got impaled by the spikes, it might have been the same thing. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it was just elaborated on by members of the public looking for sensationalism, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the main thing with the Empire. Back to you. Right. On to the next story. So I'm looking at a slightly different kind of theatre now. This is a cinema, the State Cinema in Grey's Essex. Mm. It opened in 1938 and it is another Grade 2 listed building in the Art Deco style. It is stunningly beautiful, the inside and the outside. The outside is quite, it, it can look a bit brutalist, but the inside is gorgeous. And it was used as a film set twice. Once for the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Really? A childhood favourite of mine. So oh. that was brilliant. And then again, it was used for the music video for Jamiroquai's Deeper Underground, which I watched after learning this. And that holds up. That really does hold up that music video. Oh, that's going to be stuck in my head now. I'm going deeper underground. Isn't that yeah. become like a popular song for funerals? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh dear. Not to give you ideas. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> but due to declining audience numbers, the state closed as a cinema in the 80s. And on its final night, September 5th, 1988, they showed the same film that they had shown the fir- when the theatre first opened 50 years to the day. And that film was The Hurricane. Oh. Which seems quite a nice way to kind of go out, doesn't it? Yeah, bookend with a hurricane. However, during that last hurrah, eight people reported seeing a phantom ice cream girl selling her wares for the final time before the theatre closed. Oh, I just really like the story. I found it really randomly. It was in some the comments of a blog about a post on a completely different place, like nowhere in Essex. And it was, I, I found it somewhere else as well, but this is the only one where they'd written a bit more about it. But it was, I just really like that story. And the place looks beautiful. It is currently closed and JD Weatherspoons are looking at taking it over and turning it into a pub. Boo, of course hits. they are. Of course they are. Yeah, we don't like we don't like Weatherspoons, do we? Nope, nope. But yes, I think it's it is a building worth saving, though. It is. I'm going to put pictures up on our Instagram. It is so gorgeous. I mean, one thing about spoons, I'll give them this, especially like the Playhouse. They have tried to keep it. Yes, they do. Like, they do do a good job with uh, retaining interiors, except their staff. Yes. And they have an old, the, this, uh, the state cinema has a Compton organ. So they used oh. to do the actual organ music during the films. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to, I found a really good website where somebody had gone in there, what, as it is now, because it's abandoned, they, they were urban explorers. And the, it's still so gorgeous. Oh, they all, I mean, when you look at, what's the um, association you talked about in your first one? That would be the Palace, the Palace Members Association. Yeah, they've got some pictures of some of the ones along Colchester High Street and they were just like, so, I can't believe they used to be like that. Yeah, I mean, there was one I tried to reach out to, uh, to someone I know who was uh, very, in, like he's very involved in the sort of history side of the theatres in Colchester. 
but I hadn't heard back from him. But there was a old uh, repertory theatre on the high street, which actually used to be the School of Art as well. Oh, and it's it's a fantastic old building. It's the Co-op Bank now. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, it's quite a cool building. Yeah, it looks. I mean, if you, I've got a photo because I obviously I work for the art school. Um, I've got some like archive photos of when the art school first opened in that building and it is um like it's missing a lot of its statues now but it looks really mm. yeah looks amazing right so that is the state cinema it is a short story but we just you know it's a nice one tickle me the right way <laughs> <laughs> hey up i gotta go into my favorite one now i hope i'm saying it right the cursor theater in south end how is it spelled k-u-r S-A-A-L. Kersal. Maybe. Kersal Theatre. Neither of us are very good at pronouncing things. No, if anybody's from Southend and knows, please, you know. Why did we start a podcast when neither of us can speak? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so... Other friends who do podcasts, they're always the go-to person for... I'm looking at this place in Wales. I don't know how to say it, so I'm constantly sending like little sound bites of things. It's sort of like a little a niche I found as the... the Bethanol now. <laughs> So again, this is from the same book by Dee Gordon. And Dee actually went out to these places to um, talk to people and gather them, like proper gathering oral folklore, which is quite nice. With this one, he spoke, she, I don't know who Dee's a woman or a man. They spoke to uh, Bill Raymond, who was a night security guard in the 1990s at the Kersal. And he, one of the stories he told was that one day a new cleaning lady was expected at 7am, but at 7.30 had still not arrived. Whilst Bill was making a round of tea for everyone, he was told that the new cleaner was actually waiting by the bar. However, all the doors were locked, so no one could figure out how on earth she got in. And Bill hadn't seen anything on the security cameras, so they went to investigate and found no sign of her. While they were looking around the bar, suddenly the lift started up behind them in the main foyer, so they followed it upstairs. However, when it opened, no one got out. Bill mentioned this turn of events to the other cleaners, one of whom had some experience of the spirit world and was convinced that the woman had been working at the Kersal in the days before it was refurbished. She said she often saw men who had died in the war and perhaps they'd returned to the building to find the women they had danced with before going off to fight. Oh, Bill, that's sweet. It is, isn't it? Bill often heard footsteps following him with lights going off and on, the sound system turning on by itself. And once he'd actually found one of the cleaners in a terrible state, she'd been cleaning the slot machines in the foyer and a voice had shouted near them, leave me alone, several times. Which, yeah, you would be scared, wouldn't you? There was also a lady called Wendy Pullman, who was part of the cleaning team at the same time in the 90s and was a Romany clairvoyant. She had seen a woman in her 50s dressed the same as the previous apparition, the one that was by the bar that they couldn't find in these green overalls. So the description matched. And she had also heard during her time female voices along with music from the wartime. And once she had felt a dramatic drop in temperature, actually this was a couple of times, when she saw this figure that used to haunt the cafe and she'd experienced objects moving and machines turning themselves on, and she agreed with the other cleaner that it was the spirits of the soldiers a lot of the time. So that was what was in the book. So I went in to the newspaper archives just to find out what happened in the theatre, and it had a long history of weird tragedies. So let me just find where to start. So there was one newspaper report that actually perhaps made me think the, the soldiers coming back could actually, you know, is 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 very possible. It would account for it. So this 
the cursal was trans. I'm just going to read it as it is. It's, I've had to really guess with this one because the newspaper report I found was so badly like smudged and everything that it was really hard to see. But I've got the gist of it. So bear with me while I read my own attempts at transcribing it. So the South End Curzel for troops was the most important transference affected in the amusement world and has hitherto has an outcome of the present war took place a fortnight ago. That's such a mouthful. What? <laughs> Basically, I think it was like, since the beginning of the war, a really important thing has happened at the Cursor. Basically, the army commandeered the theatre and turned it into um, a place for troops. So about 15,000 soldiers were now billeted in Southend and a large number of them were actually sent to the Cursor. They had been drafted into the town from Chatham. Uh, the transformation in regard to the famous picture house and pleasure grounds was carried out in record time. Notice was given to the proprietors on Wednesday at five o'clock. The last performance took place on Saturday night and the following Tuesday the troops were installed. So that is a big turnaround. They said the Cursor offered exceptional facilities for the military camp and headquarters. The size of the cinema itself uh, could seat 3,000 people. That's oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. So there was lots of space for them. And while the grounds, formerly occupied by a scenic railway swings, uh, covered 18 acres, uh, seven of which were under cover. So, and actually um, opened up a rifle range there. So it was a lot of space. I mean, I've not been. Have you been to the Cursor no, South End? I don't think I've ever been to South End, to be honest. I've got oh no, I have once. I've got a feeling it's now part, like partly a bowling alley, but I'll, anybody who knows um, who's been there recently, please let us know. Other newspaper reports tell quite an interesting history. So the Kersal Ghost Train Burnout. The Ghost Train, one of the mechanical rides in the Kersal Ground, South End, was destroyed by fire on Monday evening. How the fire commenced is a mystery because the grounds were closed at the end of season in October. The fire brigade confirmed the flames to the Ghost Train building, the interior of which was destroyed. About 100 yards away is a zoo, but it was not necessary to move any of the animals. In spite of the heat, water from the hoses froze on the ground surrounding the building. It's weird how that fire started. In 1905, newspaper I found um, talked about the South End Cursal accident. At South End today, verdict on accidental death was returned in the case of Frank Appleby, a pianist engaged at the Cursal, who was mauled by a lioness a few days ago and died from blood poisoning, which ensued. The evidence showed that the deceased was caught by the elbow by the lioness, which attempted to draw him into the cage. The animal used much force that the bars were broken. The tamer, entering the cage, forced the lioness to release Appleby. The deceased had been warned to keep away from the cage. So this was in the little zoo that was part of the Cursal Amusement Park. So oh, Okay, I had to um, physically clamp my hands over my mouth to stop myself from swearing. <laughs> I know. I was like, a, a lion? A lion, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was reading. At, at this point, I wasn't aware that there was a zoo as part no. of the amusement park. And I was just like, how did a lion get the pianist? <laughs> and to be honest, as as I read these now, I'm sure you'll agree with me. I'm surprised the place isn't more haunted. Uh, so in 1902, a newspaper uh, had the headline, Leaving the Cursal to Die. On Saturday morning, Mr. Aru- Aruna Lewis had an inquest at Middleton Hotel South End on the body of Elias Long, 73 years old, visitor from London, who had been staying with her niece at St Anne's Road South End. So she went with her aunt, who's a widow. They attended the cursal and witnesses say on Thursday night she got up out of her seat and just fell straight down, becoming unconscious. Uh, she was then and there removed to the hospital, but was pronounced dead at the scene. When she was at the cursal, she was still alive, but in a conscious state. But 
she wasn't breathing very well and her lips and her cheeks were paralyzed and blue. So that was just a sudden death. That wasn't a weird one, but a sudden death at the Kursal. Mm. So That's know. a little bit like um, Eileen Constance Bell, isn't it? It is very similar, yes. The thing I forgot to mention about Eileen is that her son continued, I'm not sure if he went on through that performance, but he retained his part in the play for the rest of the run of that play. Oh. Like he didn't stop he just kept on going people deal with grief weirdly yeah the show must go on uh so i got one from the 1920s south end cursal tragedy so this is where i started putting tragedy into the search engine on the british newspaper archive and things started coming up so an inquest on august on laura age 54 of i couldn't read this properly because it was very badly smudged it looked like leoxton i have no idea what that is who died at St. Bartholomew's Hospital from injuries received through falling downstairs in the Joy Grotto sideshow at the Kirstall at South End. It was stated that one of the features of the grotto was a floor which moved suddenly and shook the legs and feet, while the tile corridors were painted. Yeah, this is where I had to this, really guess. This sounds like the sort of funhouse attraction yeah. that maybe you'd see at uh, Great Yarmouth. Yeah. I can imagine what it's like with the the shaky floor. The shaky and then floor. They, they probably paint the walls in some sort of striped motif that make you feel like you weren't standing up straight yeah i think they said there was weird faces painted on there so it was a Ooh. proper little like fun house and although a million persons had visited the grotto this was the first mishap and there was no negligence on part of the licensee of the grotto so it was just put down to a tragic accident but pretty nasty another mm. nasty accident at the Kursal. 1901 the south end tragedy inquest and verdict the adjourned inquest concerning the deaths of george augustus facer the parties of the south end tragedy this is quite famous this was in newspapers all across the country um, basically just outside the cursal was this patch of land and in when it was really busy there were loads of people around this um this man just shot his wife in the face and what, then scarped what the heck yeah so I got I, there was two uh, newspaper reports. I got a better one in a second. Hang on, there you go. So terrible double tragedy. Sensational murder was committed near Kersal South End on Tuesday afternoon when an excursionist from London named Pacer shot a woman dead with a revolver in the presence of a large number of people. Immediately after the shooting, the murderer ran away across the fields in the rec- direction of Shoeberryness and was closely pursued by a crowd, two or three hundred excited people, for a distance of three miles. Finding escape impossible, he then oh no, this is another murder. Sorry. There were two murders on this patch of ground, very similar outside the Kersal. Sorry. The Kersal living up to its name of being cursed. cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this person, uh, once they discovered they couldn't, you know, run away from people, they threw themselves into a ditch near both church and his pursuers oncoming and finding him found that he had, quote, blown out his brains. Lovely. And the woman who was murdered married him a few years ago under the impression he was single. She was about 30 years of age and he was about 40. She lived with him for some time and two children were born. Afterwards, she discovered that he was already married and in fact had a life had a wife living. She left him five months ago, went to South End where she lived and he had repeatedly threatened to shoot her and having ascertained where she lived, went from London and carried out his threat. I'm so glad we don't really film this because the faces I'm making in, yeah. as you tell these stories are just hideous it's not nice is it no they're just um i've got two two more and i think that's enough enough tragedies so tragedy man turns with gun in hand 
So in full view of a horror-stricken large crowd of holidaymakers, George Henry Evers, aged 16, of South Church Avenue, South End, was shot dead at a shooting gallery at the Kersal this evening. He was standing near the gallery at the Kersal grounds, apparently watching someone called Isaac Jeff of Russell Street. Jeff only tried one shot at the target when he turned around sharply to speak to his companion, George Archer of Camden Road, Holloway. Archer dodged out of the way to avoid being hit by the rifle, but at that moment it went off and hit the boy who was struck in the chest and died at once. That so, is um, that's horrendous. It is horrendous. And um, a good reason why we don't have guns in this country. Yes. Easily available guns in this country, I should say. I mean, I, I, I know I've gone to like the fairground and stuff where there's been guns, but they're not that powerful, are they? They're, oh, they're, they're like little, little baby pellet guns, yeah. I mean, this was in 1927, so they probably were just regular guns. Probably. I mean, if it was a shooting range, that is, they would have regular guns there, wouldn't they? Mm. Well, I don't, it wasn't, I mean, it might have been left over from the army, but it was part of the, you know, they weren't there as soldiers. They were there as yeah, <laughs> having fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Last one. 1928. Dragged death. Um, there was a glider <laughs> tragedy in the crowded Kersal. Henry F. Slough, aged 55 of Woodgrange Drive, Southend, proprietor of an amusement device at the Kersal Theatre known as The Glider, was killed in the mechanism yesterday afternoon. The Glider, which has only been installed at the Kersal this season, consists of a number of cars which, connected by cables, travel around in a circular switchback and are set in motion by electricity. Slough was underneath. The glider when just the car oh Slough was underneath the glider when just the cars began to revolve and a cable snapped and entangling him in the folds dragged him into the mechanism. The cursor was full at the time. Oh no. So the cursor is horrific. It is. I just stopped looking then because it was just like tragedy at the cursor, tragedy at the cursor, tragedy at the cursor. It's like I'm we're not going to the cursor. <laughs> it seems cursed. I mean they're just horrific things. The curse of the cursor. The curse of the cursor. If yeah. it's if it is indeed pronounced Kersal. Yes, it should be, if not. So yeah, that's that the is, end um, of that one. Let's leave that there because that is just nightmare inducing. Gosh. I mean, I kind of want to go. Like <laughs> not I just want to have a look. Like I, if we if we do do a ghost hunt, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. I'm I just how can it not be more haunted? <sighs> that is just like that's 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 enough. For I mean a, yeah, that's almost like an American horror story season. There comes a the point where, you, where you've got to go, maybe management isn't doing a really good job here. Something, well, that's, you know, we're talking about going back as far as like 1900s. That's, and a lot of them around the 20s. And just South End in general, I, I forgot to type in theatre at one point and just South End tragedy. South End is, has got a really tragic past. Well, do you know what? A lot of, when we're, when we pick a topic and when I start researching into it, a lot of the stories come from South End. They really do. Yeah. And in, and I'm not talking about recent stories. I'm talking about, you know, 16, 1500s. It's bizarre. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of stuff going on in South End. Mm. I think we're going to probably touch on it in each subject we pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to pop up over and over again because it has literally everything there. Yeah. Well, the South End werewolf. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. It's got weird and wonderful ones too. Yeah. And UFOs. Yeah, everything. It's got yeah, everything. Exactly. Anyway, sorry, I so I'll I'm, finish now. <laughs> I'm I'm getting the hell out of South End. 
<laughs> I am going to another uh, seaside resort. I'm going to Clacton. Woo-hoo! So another haunted and disused cinema can be found in Clacton. The tale goes that a projectionist completed suicide in the building after learning that his son had been killed in the First World War. After the cinema closed, the building was turned into a wallpaper shop. A girl working there had a terrifying experience. She went up to the storeroom on the top floor and returned screaming, saying she had seen an old man up there. From his description, it would appear that he looked like someone from an old gangster film. This apparition was seen by several other shop assistants. In 1993, the shop was remodeled and two workmen decided to camp out in the building to save on hotel costs. After one night, they changed their minds, insisting that they were kept up all night by the ghosts stamping about in the upstairs rooms. Witnesses have reported seeing an apparition of an old man dressed in a 1940s suit. Others seen a ghostly white mist. More people claim that they have seen doors open and shut and heard unexplained footsteps stomping around the building. Some people have also felt icy hands touching them and on some occasions have been shoved back by an unknown force. This one again, no proof that there was a death here. Also, I've got conflicting reports of what happened to the cinema after it was closed as a cinema. Oh, okay. Some say it was closed, the cinema stopped running in early 1962 and then was demolished soon afterwards. So, how it became a wallpaper shop, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't sound likely. Uh, or maybe it was the building they built on top of it. But there was a very specific description in the Shop Girls story where they were talking about this was actually part of the old theatre. So it is It is a strange one. It's quite a sad one. Also, the appearance of the apparition. So the story I read said that his son had been killed in the First World War, but the apparition does appear in a 1940s dress. So oh. possibly they got the war wrong. Yeah. But it is, it's a strange one. Yeah. Um, and it's quite, comes from quite a sad tale. I mean, a projectionist, you know, the cinemas really took off during the Second World War, didn't they? So. Yes. So it's probably that maybe the the, the first report I wrote, uh, I read had the the war wrong, as mm. in it should have been the Second World War. But yes, it is. It's an odd story. Mm. Mm. Um, I've got two little ones. I might just do these in one after the other, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. I looked at the old Hippodrome on Culture to High Street. I wasn't going to include it, but I just love the fact that they've got a ghost called... George! George! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the 1980s, cleaners at the culture-stilled Hippodrome would often say hello to George when they entered the building. George was a former employee who worked at the Hippodrome but fell to his death years previously. Again, to be honest, I haven't actually looked to see if that's true because I got so bogged down with the cursal that I just went, okay. One of the cleaners would see his apparition regularly while whilst others would only just see, oh, sorry, hear his ghostly voice talking to them. And the saddest thing about the Hippodrome was that... The music. Well, just what it is now. Is it attic or liquid? (laughs) It's one of those. And it's just gutted inside, isn't it? You can see the shape, like the the piers and everything. And I don't know if it's covered, but the actual, what it looked like when it was a theatre was the most beautiful Thing. It was like every inch of it was painted and moulded and sculpted and gilded. It was just beautiful. For those who don't know Colchester, the Hippodrome has a reputation mm-hmm, um, yes. as being a bit scummy. Like, yeah, I've like, only been in there in the day when we went to one of those craft fairs, and yeah, it's one of those places where your feet stick to the floor. Yeah, I mean, lots of people love it there. It's obviously a place where, like, I mean, I think it is really the only <laughs> club left in town. 
you know, this is showing my age because I don't really go out clubbing anymore. Well, we're more pubs and cafes, aren't we? We are more pubs and cafes. But I and drinking I, in the house. <laughs> and drink, and we're drinking another, in the house. We're another worry. <laughs> but yes, uh, when I was a little bit uh, younger, <laughs> we used to. I mean, we all went to Root, which was the place where they did the indie music and everything. Because mm. I was a little emo girl, but uh, yeah, the hippodrome was kind of looked down upon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's such a shame because you can see the bones of the building are still there. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely on the outside. Apart from the giant sign that says, I think, liquid or is it attic? It just it's like really changing neon. its name. And the bouncers and the, the urinal that pops out the ground at oh night. God. It's, it's a delightful part of the town. <laughs> so, you know. I do you remember what? when I was in college, I my bus dropped me off at the other end of the high street. And I used to have to walk past the Hippodrome very early in the morning. And there would consistently be people out there with hoses, just hosing the whole thing down. Yeah, pavement just, pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to talk about the Brookside Theatre in Romford. Go for it. It's only had, I can only find one paranormal incident that happened. Sorry if anyone can hear children screaming in the background. Uh, I don't know what's going on. But I can't hear it on my end, so I think we're good. That's all right then. <laughs> Obviously, the threat of chocolates being withheld and didn't quite have the <laughs> outcome we needed. Okay, so um, the theatre, I've got this off the uh, Romford recorder. So uh, the theatre manager and playwright, Jay Staple, said that many strange and unexplained things have happened over the years, but admitted that this was the freakiest incident. And this is actually the only incident anyone actually described. So I don't know what the other unexplained things that have happened. If anybody knows, please let us know because I couldn't find anything. But he said he added that he didn't usually look at the CTTV footage, but happened to watch it and spot the spine tingling moment. So what happened was, and I'll post a uh, link to this, there's actually a video footage of it. It's just a dark room, all the chairs lined up, and one of the chairs is just moved around. And it's just one chair that does it. So it's it looks like somebody's pulled it back and around the saw corner. that video. It is strange. It is really strange. Because if I suddenly thought, oh, maybe it's like, I don't know, um, seismic activity, which, you know, we don't have a lot of around here, but it would surely do all the chairs. Well, one one of the I, I I was looking I did have a quick look at this one, and uh, one of the explanations that somebody came up with was that maybe a, a drop of condensation had rolled down the camera at that point, and it made it look like the chair moved. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah, because it's not the greatest clarity, is it? It's quite pixelated. It's grainy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the things that probably added to it was earlier in the night they had a psychic Roy Roberts on. He'd been forming on stage hours earlier, so you know it had that feel to it. Yeah, like we've been saying, it's you know the setting of the theatre can inspire the ghost story before the you know before the event takes place. Mm. I mean, they also talk about orbs on the footage, but I think they're specks of dust. <laughs> I mean, it's night vision. Night vision makes anything that moves look spooky. like it's yeah. spooky and, and a light talking so. about Yvette Fielding again as we've all seen her eyelashes on Most Haunted oh they're incredible <laughs> but spooky looking <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and that was I mean I'll post a link you can read the report and have a look at the video but I I don't think there's much more to the story it's interesting no. but yeah but that's all my theatres I'm just going to mention one other place. We've mentioned it already several times. So the Playhouse in Colchester. This one is an urban legend passed between teenagers for 
decades. So most people who grow up in Colchester were probably sneaking into the playhouse for a cheeky drink when they were just a wee bit underage. <laughs> and they'll probably recognise this story. The Playhouse, which is currently operated by J.D. Weatherspoons, boo hiss. <laughs> but the pub does retain a lot of its features as a theatre. Uh, the stage is now a seating area that's hung with old scenery and the Playhouse's posters can be seen everywhere on every single wall. It's also retained its audience. Yeah. High above the drinkers in the circle of seats, which would have formed the balcony, it, the seating area is now occupied with dummies of the famous and infamous However, if you look closely enough, you might see some of them move on their own. However, this could be entirely dependent on how many pitchers you've had to drink already. Yeah. My first time there, no one told me about it. I think I was with the First Sight Gang. You might have been there. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, oh, sometimes people see ghosts up in the in, in, in the stalls. And I looked around and didn't know there were those dummies there and was like, jeepers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and that really scared me. But uh, yeah, no, they are creepy. I mean, dummies are creepy anyway. Yeah. And some of them are, they're, they're getting a little bit old. Some of them, they're look, looking a bit horrific. I think one of the um, one of the box seats has the entire royal family in. Yeah. I think they add to it now and again. Yeah. Do you think, perhaps we could find a picture, we could put it on Instagram. There must be a picture. There's definitely pictures. And I probably have some from back in the, the back bad in the old day. days. <laughs> I asked, my sister-in-law used to work there. Um, and I asked her and I was, she went, oh, and I thought, oh, what's she got? And she went, nah. <laughs> I was, oh. Well, it was it was one of these things that every time you were in there, it would be like, oh, my mate worked here and they said and she said and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it, we'd be drinking, you do those horrible pictures. There used to be a bright, like neon green one we used to drink. There's no Blue Lagoon one as well. It was just like luminous blue yeah i think it was wkd <gasps> blue curacao just anything blue just shoved it yeah. in there yeah after you've had a few of those you're just seeing anything especially on my um hen night i think that's oh. where that's where things turned that's where they made you do jaeger bombs <laughs> and nightmare shots yeah we'll oh, talk about my days. hen night another time because <laughs> i can't remember a lot of it it was good it was good fun Harry there Potter was a, themed. Harry Potter themed. There and was I a, was promised a Hagrid stripper. <laughs> I don't know who promised you that. Well. <laughs> oh, my God. You got Nagini, though. I did. Appeared at your wedding as well. It did. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's our, that, that is us, the theatres, this month. Yeah. If anybody, as, as always, if anybody has got any more stories about what we've talked about or knows of anything else, then please let us know because, yeah. And there's so many theatres in Essex. I mean, not even the theatres that are currently operating and running. They, uh, There are so many closed ones. Like we said, talked about the Repertory Theatre on the uh, High Street in Colchester. There's hundreds more like that. And even with like the cinemas as well, the state. Oh, God, it's so beautiful. I just want it to be open. And also like, like I suppose, village halls as well. They've shown a lot of theatre and um, school, like especially universities have got... Um, yeah, we have the Lakeside. Lakeside. Well, I've I've got someone on to that, trying to gather Essex University stories. Like always, we any made... students listening, please, if you've got anything or heard any rumours or any urban legends about Essex Uni, please let us know. Like always, we may need another episode if more stories come in, and we'd love it if we needed another episode for this. Yeah. Just while I've got you here, I was going to take off my eerie Essex hat and put on my folklore archive hat. We've got a series of talks coming up in March. 
the 19th and the 20th of March, we're having a Zoom conference online on witchcraft. Uh, this is to raise funds for the library folklore. No, the Folklore Archive and Library. As it's run by volunteers and it takes up a lot of time. We're trying to build enough money to actually get people working on this properly and uh, being able to acquire objects and anything that needs saving for posterity. Still waiting on some speakers coming back, but I do have a list of the current speakers and first half of the tickets are allocated have already gone. So if you want to come, better book soon. It's £15, but that's two days of speakers and you'll have access to replays. And everybody who buys a ticket will also be put into a draw to win um, a DVD box set of Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. And I believe it's been signed by Kiela Yanis, who directed it. Uh, so that's a really cool prize. So far, confirmed speakers are Professor Ronald Hutton, Professor Marion Gibson, Incubus Succubus, Deborah Hyde, Sid Moore, the Witches of Scotland Foundation, the Doreen uh, Valiente Foundation, and there's going to be a performance for a good friend of ours, Gemma Garwood. I have got some details here on what people are speaking about, Merwin. So Professor Ronald Hutton is looking at witch hunting past and present. Professor Marion Gibson is writing about the witch trials. Incubus Succubus are well, they're a pagan rock group. They're going to have a, do a performance and take Q&As. Deborah Hyde hasn't confirmed her talk yet. Sidmore will be talking about Snapping the Stiletto Project. Witches of Scotland are going to be talking about their campaign for justice for those accused of witchcraft. And Gemma is going to do a performance. So it's going to be good fun. And Sidmore is, of course, the person who wrote um, the Essex Witch Museum Mysteries. Yes, it's a good run of speakers. So there you go. I'm done. A folklore archive. Oh, here yes, <laughs> Back on. <laughs> Do you want to say something about Patreon? So we will be releasing the Patreon soon. It was more complicated than we thought. It is more complicated than we originally thought. We'll announce it. And if you want to help us out, we'd be so thankful. And we're going to try and make it as cheap to do as possible. But Mm. we're looking into options where you may be able to pay a bit more to possibly suggest a topic for the month Mm -hmm. or uh, suggest a place. So just keep your eyes out. Mm -hmm. If you've got any suggestions, actually, as well, let us know. Why not? We we might take it on board or not. (laughs) So, yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on theatres. So it's goodbye from Elsa. And it's goodbye from Bethan. Bye. Bye.